Welcome to the Property Magic Podcast. My name is Simon Zucci, and in this podcast, I'm going to deep dive into the property investing strategies and investor mindset for my book, Property Magic. I will also share real estate investing hints, tips, and tricks, which I normally only share on my Property Mastermind Mentorship. Hello, and welcome to episode number seven of the Property Magic Podcast. And in this edition, I want to share with you how you can get estate agents to find motivated sellers for you. Now, as I explained in the last episode of Property Magic Podcast, motivated sellers are people who need to sell their property quickly. They've got some sort of property related problem. And because of that, they're more flexible on the price and the terms of the sale. But first of all, you need to consider how to position yourself with the estate agent so they believe you are a credible buyer. And unfortunately, most investors get this all wrong. Now you'd think there'd be a perfect partnership between investors who wanna buy property and estate agents who've got lots of property to sell. And it can work really well. And that's what I wanna help you with on this particular episode of the Property Magic Podcast. So really to understand estate agents, you need to step into their shoes and see it from their point of view. In the UK, the estate agent works for the seller and not the buyer. Now in the USA, they have a different system. There's usually a seller agent and a buyer agent, but that's not the case here in the UK. Now understandably, most property owners wanna get as much as they possibly can from the sale of their property. And they're prepared to wait until they get the full price they want. And so they're not really motivated enough. However, maybe about 5% of the sellers listed with an estate agent might be motivated enough for you to work with. And these are the people you want the estate agent to bring to you. Now, you've got to understand that in the UK, the government statistics are that one in three property sales fall through. Now, that's usually because the buyer can't get finance or maybe the property's down value by a surveyor, or there's some serious work that needs to be done that the buyer didn't know when they first agreed to buy the property. Or maybe one of the parties just changed their mind about the transaction and decide they don't want to move forward. So the agents do everything they can to make sure the sale doesn't fall through, which obviously would be a waste of everyone's time. And remember, the agent only gets paid when the sale completes. So the most important thing that you want to get across to the agent is that you are a credible buyer and you'll perform and complete on all the offers you make. So your positioning with the estate agent is really important. It's really important to get the estate agent on your side, even though they represent the seller and their job is to get a great deal for the seller. The agent can help influence the seller that your offer might be better than someone else's. Let's say two people are offering the same amount of money or very close. You want the agent backing you, encouraging the seller to sell to you instead of the other person. So it's really important to get the person on side. Now, the problem with many amateur investors, they go into the estate agent and they try and impress the estate agent. Um, They use lots of Um, property investor terminology, which the agent may or not really understand. And they make crazy claims like they want to buy 10 properties in the next month and they want to buy them all BMV, 20 to 30% discounted from motivated sellers. And 
understandably, the agent sits there thinking, oh my God, it's another idiot investor who doesn't know what they're doing. So first impressions are really important. You know, if they think you're a time waster, they're not going to spend any time with you. They're not going to send you any deals. A much better way to position yourself and introduce yourself to the agent is something like this. So you go to the agent and say, and by the way, you want to go in personally to meet them face to face. And you say, hi, my name's Simon. Um, I'm looking to buy maybe two properties in the next six months. And I'm looking for a local expert to help me do that. Is that something you can help me with? Now, first of all, you said you're only looking for two properties in the next six months. And that sounds very reasonable, achievable, instead of saying you want to buy 10 in the next month. Now, you might want to buy 10 in the next month, but don't tell the agent that because they're going to think it's unrealistic and they're going to think you're a time waster. So by saying you want to buy two, it sounds very achievable. Here's the other point. Because you want to buy two, not just one, if the agent spends some time working with you and helping you, they're going to get potentially two sales out of you rather than most investors who might only buy one property. And remember, you want to make the agent feel that they are the experts and they are an expert in their local area in terms of value of property and selling property. But they may not know as much as you know about investing, but you don't want to tell them that. You want to put them on a pedestal and make them feel like the expert. That's why you say, I'm looking for a local expert to help me. Is that something you can help me with? So it's about positioning yourself that, you know, you need some help and you want to buy these two properties. Now, why do you say two properties rather than just one? Well, what you need to understand is most investors will go to an estate agent. They've maybe saved some money or they've got some inheritance and they'll buy one investment property. And then the agent won't see them for a couple of years and the agent um, will think, oh, well, they're all done. And then the buyer comes back maybe three or four years later, once they've got some more money or maybe their values have gone up and they remortgaged and they want to buy another property. So most investors might buy one property every couple of years. And unless you specifically tell the estate agent that you're looking to buy two properties, once you've bought that first property, they may not think you've got enough money to buy another one. In fact, once you've just completed a transaction, you should jump straight to the top of their credibility list because you've done exactly what you said you were going to do. So a big tip here is if you have just bought a property from an agent, go straight back to them and let them know that you are in the market to buy another property. Otherwise, they might assume you've just used all of your money. Now, for an agent to take you seriously, you need to prove that if you're making offers, you can move forward on those offers. They want to know that you've got a deposit to be able to buy. They want to know that you can get mortgages as well. So if you do have funds, maybe going in and showing them a bank statement to show, look, I've got deposit ready. And also, if you have a mortgage broker you're already working with, it's really good to get what's called a decision in principle. Now, this is where the mortgage broker has gone to a lender and the lender has said, yeah, in principle, we're happy to lend to this person. Given that one of the biggest reasons property sales fall through is because the finance isn't available, proving you can get mortgages and you've got deposits will give a big tick against your name and the agent's going to take you more seriously. Now, if you don't have a mortgage broker, the estate agent might want to sit down with their mortgage broker, again, to go through the process just to make sure that you can get finance. And that's sometimes a pretty good thing to do. Now, 
just a point here to mention, uh, maybe you don't have your own money. Uh, maybe you're going to be doing deals with joint ventures where you find a deal, someone else brings the money in, or maybe you're going to be passing deals on to other people. If that's the case, I would mention it up front. What you don't want to do is pretend that you're going to be buying this property and at the last minute say, oh, actually, it's not going in my name. I'm putting in this person's name instead. You're going to lose credibility with the agent. So if you're sourcing properties or you're working with joint venture partners, tell them that up front. And you know what? That actually can be a really good thing. Because let's say you see a particular property and it's not what you're looking for. Well, you and the agent may have wasted a bit of time there. But if you explain to them you're looking for two properties yourself over the next six months, oh, and by the way, you're tapped into a large network of investors around the country, and actually you occasionally pass deals to some of those people. So if a property is a good deal, but you don't want it, you might know someone else who you might be able to pass the deal onto. At the end of the day, that means the agent still gets a sale, so that's really good for them. So you want to make sure that the agent feels you're a credible person, you can move forward, and that you're someone they can do business with, they can get some sales done, and they want to come back and work with you in a joint venture partnership. Ideally, you want to get into the little black book of contacts. So when a great deal comes up, you're one of the first people they call. When I was buying properties in Bourneville Lane, where I have a lot of my HMOs, I had a great relationship with the agent, such as as soon as another property came up in that particular road, they would give me a call before anybody else. Sometimes even before they'd gone around themselves and taken pictures and put up a for sale sign, they would call me. I would sometimes go in with the agent straight away. And if it was a good deal, I would end up buying that property. So I was a perfect buyer for that agent in that particular area because they knew I would deliver and I perform very, very quickly. It's possible for you to build those relationships with agents as well and get them to start to bring great deals to you. Now, when you first meet with an agent, once you've introduced yourself and positioned yourself, there are a number of questions you can ask them to get them thinking about potential deals. If you say to them, hey, I want a motivated seller, they're not going to get that. They're not going to understand. So instead, there are some questions you can ask to get them thinking about the circumstances where a seller might be motivated. Now, in Property Magic, I share five questions with you. But in this podcast, I'm going to share a few extra questions as well. So I'm going to give you eight questions in total. Now, you wouldn't ask all eight questions. You ask one question. And if there aren't any properties that relate to that, you then ask the next question until you've got a couple of properties that might be suitable and you can arrange viewings to go and look at those properties. So here are the questions you want to ask. Question number one, do you have any empty properties? Now, this is a great question. You see, if an owner has an empty property, that's a problem for them. An empty property could get broken into, could get vandalized, could get infested. They've got to keep it um, they've got to pay for the utility bills, the, the standing charges. There might have to be a council tax on it as well. So an empty property is not good for the owner. There are four main reasons why a property might be empty. The first one is maybe it's a deceased estate. Someone has passed away. They've given the property to their family or beneficiaries, and those people are now selling the property because they don't want it. Now, you can spot these properties because often they, they might be a little bit dated. They need kitchen and bathroom refurbing. And that's great because that's a way you can add value to the property. The next reason you see an empty property is maybe it's been repossessed. 
So unfortunately, the owner was not able to keep up with the mortgage payments, in which case the lenders come in and repossess the property. The lender wants to get all of their money back. So they might put it with an estate agent or maybe put it into an auction and they want to sell it quickly. Now, you can spot these properties when you go to them. Often they put grills and bars on the windows and the doors so that people can't break in and vandalize the property. Often inside, the property doesn't look in a very good condition anyway, because the owners sometimes damage it on the way out. Also, the white goods and the cooker have yellow and black tape around them saying do not use. So it's really easy to spot these repossessed properties. The problem with the repossessed property is you can't really negotiate with the bank. Um, they want to get the best sale as quick as possible. And so it can be difficult to buy. Not impossible, but it can be difficult. And lots of people are looking for repossessed properties. The third reason a property might be empty is maybe it's an ex-rental property. A landlord's retiring. They've given notice to the tenants. The tenants have moved out. And you can spot these because very often there's a little bit of odd furniture in the property. They look OK, a bit of wear and tear. And very often the landlord will actually come and meet you and show you around the property. So it's great to get to meet a landlord and be able to talk to them. And then the fourth reason you might have an empty property is the owners have just moved away. Uh, maybe they were living there. They've now relocated. They may be bought somewhere else. They're renting somewhere else and they've got this empty property. There's probably a mortgage on it. There's probably costs incurred. Um, and so they want to get rid of that property. So looking for empty properties, first of all, can be a really good thing to do with an estate agent. Question number two I'd ask is, do they have any properties that have been on the market for a long time? Now, what is a long time? Well, it really depends on what's happening in the market. But to be honest, it doesn't really matter what you think is a long time or what I think is a long time. It's all about what does the agent think has been a long time? Because there are sometimes properties, they just stick on the market. They're not really selling. There's been some offers, but no one's really um, wanted to buy this property. And the agent's probably given up on it to a certain extent. And so they've stopped telling people about it. They stopped showing people and they kind of think, oh, this is never going to sell. And if it doesn't sell, they obviously don't earn any commission. So you can help them to get a sale and get commission by properties that have been on the market for a long time. Question number three is, do you have any properties where you are not the only agent selling the property? Very often, a seller will list their property with multiple agents because they're motivated. They need to get the property sold. Now, if an agent has listed the property and another agent's listed and the other agent sells it, the first agent's not going to get any commission. So you can work with the agent to make sure they get their commission by helping them get the sale. We know the seller's motivated because they've listed with multiple agents. So this is a really good tip to look for these kind of people. Um, the fourth question is, do you have any properties that are for sale and also for rent? You do occasionally see this. And what this means is the landlord saying, the owner's saying, look, I want to sell the property ultimately, but if I can't sell it in the meantime, I'm prepared to rent it. This is perfect for a strategy we call purchase lease options, where basically you take the property on, you rent it from the owner with the right to buy it in the future. I'm going to be sharing a lot more about purchase lease options in a future episode of this podcast. And then question number five, the final question in Property Magic is, do you have any sellers 
who keep on calling the office to find out if there's any news or any updates about their property sale. Now, why do you think that person keeps on calling the office? Well, it's because they're motivated. They want to sell the property. However, often the estate agents don't see it like that. They just see this person as, well, they're a bit of a pain. They keep calling the office and there's no news and you know, no one wants to speak to this particular person. And they don't realize that this person is really motivated. They want to sell. And so they might be more flexible on the price and or the terms of the sale. So those are the first five questions I do cover in the Property Magic book. But what I want to do with you is give you an extra three questions. Now, they're, they're kind of similar but these are just slightly more detailed to help you find specific properties where maybe the seller is motivated. So question number six is you say to the agent, um, have you have you got any properties um, that are, how can I put this, that are maybe a bit smelly? Now, the agent will smile because if they've been an agent for a while, they will have definitely seen or rather smelt some smelly properties. Now, this is often where the owners might have pets and sometimes the pets not let out of the property as much as they should do. And the, the pets leave little gifts lying around the property. And sometimes the owners don't actually bother to clean these up. And so as a result, the property smells. Now, the thing about this is the owners often become what we call nose blind. They don't know that their house smells and they can't work out why no one wants to buy the property. Now, you can spot a smelly house because if the agent takes you to look at a house and they say, uh, I tell you what, you just go in, look around yourself. I'll wait outside. There's probably a good reason for that. And it might be because it's really smelly. Now, here's the point with a smelly house. If you buy a smelly house, which not many people want to buy because of the smell, when the owners leave the property, they usually not always, but they usually take their pets with them. And that's the source of the smell. So you can rip up the carpets, replace them. You can paint the property and suddenly what was once a smelly, undesirable property can become a very desirable property to live in. So you need to kind of look beyond the smell and recognize that if it's smelly, not many people will be able to do that. They don't want to buy it, but you can fix that property and make it a really good, desirable property. So smelly houses is a great strategy. Um, next question, number seven, um, is do you have any properties that you can't sell? Now, this is similar to have you got any that have been on the market for a long time? It's just a slightly different perspective because you're coming at it from a point of view that you want to help the agent. You want to help the agent sell some properties they can't sell. So do you have any properties that you can't sell? And they might have some that maybe the owner wants a bit too much money. Maybe there's a problem with the property. Maybe it's sold several times and the sale keeps falling through and they just can't seem to get this thing to complete. They're going to be very frustrated with that. And if you could help them solve that problem and get a sale for the seller, then you're going to become a big friend of that particular agent. So that's a great question to ask people. And the final question, number eight, is do you have any properties that are cash buyers only? Now, sometimes if there's a problem with a property, Maybe it's got a structural defect. Maybe it hasn't actually got a kitchen or a bathroom. In that case, it's very difficult to get a mortgage on the property. Maybe it's got a very short lease. It's a leasehold property. And if the lease is less than 70 years remaining, it's very difficult to get a mortgage. 
So in that case, the property is advertised as cash buyer only. Now, in reality, there aren't as many cash buyers as there are people who want to get a mortgage. So less buyers means less demand, less people looking at the property and cash properties are often hard to sell. And because of that, they go for a lower price. So what you can do is if they've got any cash only purchases, it might be that you can control the property with something like a purchase lease option, fix the problem. So maybe it's got subsidence and structural defect and you can control the property with an option, get that problem fixed, then the property is mortgageable and you can buy it in the traditional way. So again, it's about understanding these kind of advanced strategies such as purchase options and purchase lease options, which means you can buy properties in a slightly more creative way that most people don't understand. Now, just a small note here, as we're talking about estate agents, remember they get paid when the sale completes. A purchase lease option is where you have the right to buy. You're not necessarily going to buy now. You're going to buy a few years in the future. If the agent thinks they're not going to get paid for a few years, they are not going to support that offer. They're going to tell the seller that they shouldn't take the offer seriously and that they could probably get a better offer elsewhere. So when we're doing a purchase lease option, we always explain to the estate agent that the estate agent will get paid as soon as the deal is done. And it's always done through solicitors. It can be done in a matter of weeks instead of a normal sale, which might take months to go through. So in the right circumstances, we can do a purchase lease option. The agent can get their full fee quicker than they would from a normal sale. I'm going to talk more about this in a future episode of this podcast when I talk about purchase lease options. So in this podcast, I wanted to help you to position yourself so the estate agents take you seriously and give you some questions that you can ask the agents to get them thinking about some of the properties they've got for sale and the circumstances where maybe the seller is going to be more motivated to sell to you. So working with estate agents is a great way to get property deals. However, in the next episode of the Property Magic Podcast, I'm going to teach you how to go direct to the seller so you don't have to work with an estate agent. Now, there's nothing wrong with working with agents. The only problem is sometimes they're a little bit protective. They don't really want you speaking to the seller. They sometimes think that maybe you're trying to cut them out. Well, the reality is the agent will have signed a contract with the seller and the seller needs to pay the commission to the agent. And we want to make sure that the, that the agent gets their commission where it's due. However, if we can go direct to the seller, and negotiate direct with them, we've got a much better chance of really understanding what's the problem for the seller and how can we help them solve that problem. So that's what we're going to cover in the next episode and how to get these motivated sellers actually coming to you because they want you to buy their property. So until next time, remember, as always, invest with knowledge, invest with skill. Thanks for listening to the Property Magic Podcast. To get this week's show notes, please visit www.propertymagicbook.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can contact me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on social media. And I highly recommend you subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch loads of valuable property training for free. All of the details are in the show notes. Until next time, invest with knowledge, invest with skill.